Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining me today on Michigan Minds. I'm really excited to learn with you today and hear all the great information you're about to share. But before we jump into our questions, could you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role at U of M? Absolutely. I'm Rachel Dawson. Um, I always refer to having multiple jobs in Michigan. My day job at Michigan is I'm the Managing Director of Precision Health. And through all my service activities, which I consider part of my job, I am a member of the executive team of the Women of Color Task Force, um, the Police Department Oversight Committee, the Michigan Medicine Anti-Racism Oversight Committee, as well as the Michigan Medicine Black Voices Resource Group. So I know that you mentioned that your main role is with Precision Health. Could you explain a little bit about Precision Health and what type of work the initiative does? Precision Health is actually a campus-wide presidential initiative that was launched in 2017. And what we do is to connect our researchers across campus with robust data, as well as state-of-the-art analytic tools to serve as a catalyst to um, discover health discoveries that will improve health, health outcomes in the state of Michigan and beyond. That's amazing. And I know that there's a lot of work that goes into that. But as well as the job that you have at Precision Health, you also mentioned that you are part of the executive committee for the Women of Color Task Force. What is the Women of Color Task Force and how does it help women of color and how can one be a part of this task force? Absolutely. So the Women of Color Task Force is actually a staff organization that was developed in 1979 out of several needs. One, um, in most of academia, especially in the university setting, there's a lot of services provided for students as well as act, um, faculty, which you don't typically see are a lot of staff focused organizations and services. And so the Women of Colors Task Force was developed really to serve a need um, that existed at the University of Michigan to really help women of color staff members and their career development and feeling included on campus and to really serve as advocates for women of color, of color as they dealt with the campus environment. Thank you so much for sharing that information. And I know that you said that the task force works to create a community, professional, personal development. What types of events does the task force hold for these members? The task force really works to offer a really holistic programming for um, our members. And while we are the Women of Color Task Force, all staff members are welcome to be part of our task force. And we do get broad participation across campus. So some of the um, events we hold, our main event each year is our annual career conference. We just celebrated our 40th annual career conference in March. Our career conference is not only one of the largest conferences offered each year at the University of Michigan, but it's absolutely the largest staff-focused conference offered each year. And that conference focuses on career development, um, financial education and planning, um, personal wellness and health wellness, 
and it gets um, about 750 participants each year. Along with that annual career conference, we offer um, professional development seminars throughout the year. For instance, um, just last month, we had one on really how to manage your professional profile on social media, which a lot of our members were looking for tips on how to do that better, not only to facilitate job searches, but to just grow their professional reputations. We have monthly meetings for our membership really to um, grow that sense of community. It's a safe space for our members to come and share their experiences, to um, mentor one another, to network with one another. And so we have a wide range of um, activities and programs throughout the year that all staff members are welcome to enjoy. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we'll be sure to link in the summary, the webpage for the Women of Color Task Force so that people can find all the information needed about the task force. I know that one of the many events that the task force sponsors is the annual Juneteenth celebration that is coming up here this month. Could you please explain the Women of Color Task Force role in that event and the importance of the Juneteenth celebration? Thank you, I'm happy to talk about the Juneteenth celebration. The Women of Color Task Force was actually one of the first groups on campus to have a Juneteenth observance. We actually had our first observance in 2020. Shortly after the early phases of the pandemic of COVID, but also coupled with the pandemic of racism, we were, as a nation, facing high levels of death and instances of COVID, but we were also fresh off the um, tragic murder of George Floyd. And the Women of Color Task Force thought it was important to have a space where we could not only address Juneteenth and that celebration of the end of slavery in our country, but to also talk about the ongoing lasting impact of slavery because with COVID you saw that women of color were most um, were very heavily impacted amongst the population and then we were dealing with the George Floyd situation and so we decided that it was important to have a Juneteenth observance and why is Juneteenth such an important observance overall is because it really gets us to the issues of equity and anti-racism in our country, unlike July 4th, which is really a celebration of elite, uh, an elite class of white men um, developing a nation that they were able to free from another elite class of white men in England, Juneteenth honors the end of slavery, but Juneteenth has never been just about a celebration. It's also been about the ongoing work of equality and social justice. So even when you look at the very, very early observances of Juneteenth, um, they had the celebration, but they also did the work, for instance, of trying to reunite, reunite families that had been separated through slavery and making sure that the newly adopted amendments to the constitution directly addressing the race issues were being honored and implemented state by state. And so we felt um, Juneteenth at the University of Michigan, while other groups also started to um, observe it, for instance, the Rackham graduates who had a large observance last year, that the groups would come together and really have a single observance, kind of similar to what we do for Martin Luther King Day. But we think Juneteenth really gives you an opportunity to discuss 
issues of race in a different way that's typically done with the Martin Luther King Day celebration to really address issues, again, um, anti-racism work, the lasting impact of slavery in education and housing and voting rights and um, health equity and access. And so um, we are very happy to have this university-wide celebration um, in partnership with the local Ann Arbor NAACP. And we think it's gonna be just a great program for everyone. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. I know that this year's theme is celebrate, educate, inspire. Can you discuss why that theme came about? And can you discuss some of the events that will be taking place throughout those three days? Absolutely. So as I kind of mentioned earlier, Juneteenth has always been more than just a celebration. Yes, it is so important that we celebrate the end of slavery and that stain on our nation. But it's also important that we continue to educate people that slavery has had a lasting and ongoing impact on Black people in this nation um, and basically every aspect of our life. And we continue to have to deal with that. And so it's to celebrate the end of slavery, educate about this plan, lasting impact, and then to inspire and to inspire in a number of ways, to inspire um, community advocacy, for social and racial justice and equality, to inspire Black people towards wellness and self-care, and to inspire those goals of our nation to really have an equitable nation where all people are treated fairly. And, um, and so that theme really grew out of that desire. The programming that we've lined up for this symposium is in line with the theme. So the symposium starts on June 15th, and it runs through June um, 18th. We have some great topics lined up um, on Wednesday. We are kicking off the event with Opal Lee. Opal Lee is affectionately known as the grandmother of Juneteenth. She's the older woman who actually started the national movement. And so she was actually by President Biden's side when he signed it into law as a national holiday. Um, and then that what, um, Wednesday, we'll turn to some of those things we really think we need to address. We're going to have a session on racial trauma and mental health in the Black community to help people understand the ongoing vestiges of slavery, but the things that continue to trigger racial trauma in the community and to promote mental wellness. And then we're going to have a session around health equity and access as well. That Thursday, we're going to do some really cool celebratory things, celebrating Black or um, Black organizations and institutions that mean so much to the Black community, such as the Black faith community. We're going to have a prayer breakfast um, where the different faith communities that have been very important to social justice movement and the Black community will gather for a traditional prayer breakfast. We're going to have a session honoring the Black and um, Greek sorority structures. Um, but we're also going to start off with our big education piece, which this year is going to be around critical race theory. So we have a team from Kimberly Crenshaw's organization. Kimberly Crenshaw is actually the person who coined the phrase critical race theory. And so her team, known as Truth Be Told, is going to come and share with us some of the foundational information around critical race theory. And then on Friday, we have additional sessions that um, closes with the keynote, um, which will feature Minnie Jean Tricky. Minnie Jean Brown Tricky was a member of the Little Rock Nine, um, one of those students who helped integrate the Little Rock Arkansas High Schools 
And then we're going to go into pure celebration that evening. We have a music festival lined up with some great gospel and jazz musicians to musical genres that are um, deeply rooted in the Black community. So we're excited. We hope everyone can come and join and pick those sessions that are most interesting to them or come to all the sessions. I think they're all valuable. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I will also link to the website for all those events so people can gather all that information and register all in one spot. You've mentioned that this year's education focus is on critical race theory. Could you explain a little more about what critical race theory is? Absolutely. We really chose to focus on critical race theory because of the really big national debate going on about critical race theory, where you're seeing efforts to ban um, mention of it or discussion of it or teaching of it in our schools at every level. And so we thought it was important, one, to do an education piece because Fundamentally, most people don't really understand what critical race theory is. Um, and so we thought it was important to provide that education. But what critical race theory is, and there's um, um, about four tenets of critical race theory, but it really focuses on the systemic nature of racism and how it's so deeply embedded in every aspect of American life. And that if you really want to address equity and justice, you have to understand the systemic nature of racism. You can't just focus on changing and educating around individual behaviors or bias or racism. You have to really get at how the system is set up to exclude and to oppress, and to oppress specifically Black people, but all people of color and all people of differences. And so the um, Develop one of the developers, co-founders of critical race theory, Kimberly Crenshaw. She always talked about the intersectionality that people face. You know, I, I have a dual diversity. How does it impact me as not just a black person, but a black woman? How does it impact, you know, the Latina gay man, our Latino gay man? There's the there's the range of systemic oppression and exclusion. And that's what critical race theory tries to educate about and help people see that in our systems and then address it effectively in our system. And so, as I mentioned on Thursday, we'll have a, ses um, a session really helping people understand what is critical race theory? How does it operate? What is its impact? And what kind of what's behind these attacks on it? Um, and then on Friday, we'll actually do a session on how do you integrate critical race theory into your DEI work. Um, for instance, the University of Michigan is um, in the process of writing our DEI plan 2.0. Um, and how can critical race theory inform a more impactful and productive DEI plan? Um, and, you know, and then we go into critical race theory, the lived experience. Part of, part of critical race theory um, directly addresses how people will take small examples to refute broad realities of racism. They'll look at, for instance, a successful Black person. Um, and we saw this during the Obama administration. People were like, oh, we have a Black president, so we're in a post-racial society. No, Barack Obama became president, but he himself and all the rest of us still experienced racism. And so Friday, that piece with Minnie Jane Brown, Tricky, we really want to focus on the lived experience of racism in our systems. In her case, it was about racism and education where Black people were told, you didn't belong here. 
you weren't going to be educated equally. And we were going to use our power within the system to shut you out. And we see that um, in our housing system, in our justice system, in our election system. And so really helping people understand how that systemic reality impacts us on a daily basis. And we thought that was important. Absolutely, thank you for sharing that. You mentioned that Precision Health is focused on the health equity and mental well-being during this symposium. Could you elaborate a little more on that? Absolutely. Um, over the course of the last year or two, Precision Health has really been trying to integrate health equity um, initiatives into our work. Um, part of our work really is working with large participant cohorts to examine the data to see how we can better predict disease, disease development. And we also have a use case focus on mental health and mental wellness. And so from a precision health standpoint, it was really important to support that programming in the black community because it's so important that we diversify um, that participant cohort amongst other things to get at better healthcare outcomes, not just for the large white population that we serve, but for all populations. Um, so along with that Precision Health, along with Michigan Medicine, uh, we're also sponsoring a community health fair as part of the Juneteenth celebration that Saturday at one of the local black churches where um, participants from all over Ann Arbor can come for free and get free screenings for um, blood sugar, cholesterol and blood pressure screenings. Um, and so we thought that was very important because those are three disease areas that heavily impact the black community. And all of our sponsors came to this Juneteenth programming with um, different goals, with synergistic goals. And so we're very excited, not just for the support from Precision Health, but again, I mentioned the graduate, the Rackham Graduate School, the Office of Multicultural Affairs, um, the College of Engineering, the School of Information, the Black Employee Association at the University of Michigan, the local Ann Arbor NAACP, and of course the Women of Color Task Force have all thought of very important ways to bring meaningful programming to the symposium. Thank you so much for sharing that. Before we wrap up today, I want to open this up to you to have a conversation about anything else that you think is important for listeners to know or anything that you'd really like them to remember about what we've spoken about today. Absolutely. I think what I hope people will take away is that Juneteenth, like the 4th of July, is a national holiday. It's for everyone. While it celebrates slavery and is very important to the Black community, it is part of our national history. And everyone needs to find meaningful and respectful ways to celebrate the holiday. To celebrate, you know, have your cookouts but also to do the work of social justice and equity, to be a good ally in that space, um, to educate in that space, and to continue the work of anti-racism work in our country, in our communities, in our schools, and on our campus. Um, for instance, Precision Health is sponsoring the Wednesday because we believe in health equity, we believe in mental wellness. And so no matter what you do, what your background, there's something for everyone in this absorbance of a very important national holiday. Absolutely, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for all the information that you've provided. Great, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.